All right, all you geeks out there, you're going to be listening to, you know, the geek master, Traxon Sci-Fi. Here he is, my geeky husband. Go get a life. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Trex in Sci-Fi podcast. Scotty, beat me up. Dress uniforms, spit and polish. Fascinating. He did have a pet sailor he was very fond of. You are at your station, Mr. Smart. Dr. McCoy, I believe you're enjoying all this. Stand by to receive our transmission. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast. It's Sunday, November 27th, 2005, and this is show number 13. This is your host, Rico, again. Well, I'd like to welcome everyone to the show this week, uh, especially those who have been listening for a while. I want to welcome you back, and I also want to welcome any new listeners out there. Now, this week's show is going to be just a tiny bit uh, different. It's probably going to sound a little bit different. Just want to uh, first want to say uh, thanks to my wife for doing that little intro at the beginning of the show. I just uh, had to, uh, well, kind of coerce her and, and nudge her a little bit to do a couple little intros for me that you'll be hearing uh, on the show from now on. The other news for this week is I am recording this with my new uh, microphone. It's an MXL 990, which, except to maybe other podcasters out there, it won't mean, mean a whole lot. It's a condenser mic that I'm running through a, a mixer right now. Now, my goal with all this is to make the audio quality better, of course, and to be able to play a little bit more audio and, and music in the background of the show, which I'm going to attempt a, a couple of parts during the show. I'm going to attempt to do that. I'm hoping overall that the audio is a little bit cleaner this way, too, of course. The um, couple of announcements I wanted to make before we really get into the meat of this week's show. First, the my website at uh, www.treksf.com or just treksinsci-fi.com. I spent some time over this past weekend, this long uh, Thanksgiving weekend here, trying to revamp the site a little bit, clean it up, make it a little bit uh, nicer looking. I've redone the podcast notes section, trying to make it more blog-type oriented. Some of the uh, old formatting for the previous shows didn't quite fit over properly. I just kind of copied and pasted from my old format. I'm going to try to clean that up again in the next few days, but um, try to bear with me on that. I think the uh, overall the, the website will look better this way. I'm still fine-tuning. I want to come up with a, uh, and there's several packages I'm looking at, I want to come up with a better Better package out there to put photos of my collection up. Right now I've kind of, well, I feel like I'm I kind of limited the thing. I'm trying to make these little pictures fit in the little view screen on the uh, on the website. And it's kind of making the uh, making it limited in how many pictures I show, the size of the pictures and that. So I think I'm going to move away from that at some point in time, especially once I get some more pictures uploaded to the website. But uh, I just wanted to make those announcements. Obviously, the I think I've said this last week's show, the forums are up now uh, for the website, and we have, I don't know, about 15 members or so. And I'd like, uh, I really appreciate the membership there. And uh, just a little shout out to the, the very active members. Spock is one. I think there's another one on there called Risky Godfather, who's who's been participating a lot. And these guys 
seem to know a lot about web design and they've, they've given me some tips and things and I've redone some of the forums uh, based on some of their inputs. So thanks for that, guys. There's also still the Frapper map up for the website. Anyone uh, that either listens to the podcast or visits the forums or the website or any of that, please feel free to put your uh, little mark down on the Frapper map there. I think this seems to be the uh, popular thing for uh, shows to have these days. And, well, not just shows, but I guess websites in general. And the it, I think it's running through like some kind of Google engine, and it just puts a little spot on, on a map for um, everyone when you enter your information of where you're located. So go ahead and uh, do that if, if you'd like. And the next segment we're going to get into is a little bit on or a little bit of listener uh, email. Okay, I'm going to try to do the listener email section here with with a tiny bit of uh, Star Trek background music. This is from uh, Cincinnati Pops Orchestra Symphonic Star Trek, it's called. This is a track from Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. The... uh, email that I want to talk about this week. There's only there's only one really new one. I got a couple other ones, but this is the one I wanted to mainly talk about is from somebody named Jerome Charles. Jerome writes, Dear Rico, man, I love your show. It offers insights into a show that I love uh, since I first discovered it in reruns in the 1970s. He says he's 42. Um, so I can completely understand with that. I'm in the, basically that category too. He says, I usually listen to your podcast while I'm at, at the job. I'm assuming that's his work. Um, he says one suggestion he, one suggestion he has before he gets into the rest of his note is stop with the long-winded spoiler alerts. Um, I think he's referring mainly to, to talking about the Star Trek episodes. He says if people go to the trouble of finding and downloading the show, he knows that they're true fans and they're well aware of what's happened on the old shows. That uh, I agree with you, Jerome, and I'm not really going to do that. The only time I'm going to mention really a big spoiler alert is if I'm talking about something that's real current or new, like a, a current movie, TV show, and so forth. And if I'm going to give away anything, I'm going to definitely warn people about it because it's one of the things I try to avoid about uh, new TV and new movies. Movies, I guess, especially. Books a little bit too. But um, I don't know. There's some people out there that never seem to get enough of it. You know, they want to know all the little clues that are given out ahead of time. And... Uh, I kind of avoid that, but, um, and then he talks about the best of both worlds when I did that show, and he says, you know, that, that it was a long summer for him, too, waiting for, for when that would be, uh, the next part of that would come out, and what would happen with Picard and everything, and yeah, it was, uh, I agree, Jerome, that, that was a tough one, so, uh, but, uh, he says it's a great series of podcasts that I'm doing, all of them, and I'm glad that you're doing there, and what I'm doing and it's wonderful and I, I really appreciate the, these kind of emails it, it helps keep me going you know I've got probably oh I think my latest stats that I looked at were maybe a couple two three hundred downloads of each show each uh, week which that's fine uh, probably if it gets up much more than that I'm gonna get um, you know have to look into some kind of better web hosting because it'll you know just kill my bandwidth and all that situations so but uh anyway uh so i appreciate the emails please send them in i also want to ask for you know any audio comments people want to send in i'd be happy to include those if you have questions about star trek sci-fi about my collectibles or 
or anything about uh, science fiction in general that you'd like my opinion or thoughts on, I'd be happy to give it to you. Um, oh, one thing, but that's probably it for the email section for this week. But what I was also going to mention now before I get into the, the heart of this show about the Journey to Babel Star Trek episode, I just want to say I saw the new Harry Potter movie uh, with my family the other day. I, uh, Friday, we went the day after Thanksgiving, and I really, uh, really enjoyed it. Now, the Harry Potter books, not as they're they're not really sci-fi, but they are a lot of fun, and they, you know, they're they're just they're just good reading, good movies, and I've really, really enjoyed. I just had to shut, excuse me, had to shut that music off because it ended the track, but I'll get better at that. I really enjoyed the books and the films, and I felt this one, the Goblet of Fire film, they did a great job of adapting the book. I mean, I, I was a tiny bit disappointed that there wasn't more of some of the littler things included in the book in the movie. You know, maybe they could have made it another 10 or 15 minutes longer by including some of that background stuff. Obviously not. They, they got the main part, the whole Triwizard Tournament, and I'm not going to really say a spoiler alert here because what I'm, what I'm going to say is not really giving a lot away. You know, you can see all this just from the preview for the film for the one-minute trailer or whatever, but... You know the just the little touches. I think I think they did a little bit more of those in the, in the third film and the previous ones than they did in this. But you know this this book started the trend for the Harry Potter books of being really really long, a lot longer than the previous ones. And they they really had to focus on the main main story, which was the the tournament with the wizard, uh, the the champions from the different uh, magic schools uh, competing. And it was really really good. And I, I think they're doing a good job at, at showing how the kids the you know, Harry, Hermione, and, and Ron are growing up and how they're going through changes and, you know, starting to get interested in, in girls and or boys in, in Hermione's case. So I highly, highly recommend you go see this movie uh, soon, especially since there are a lot of holiday films coming out, a lot of ones that I'm looking forward to, King Kong especially, uh, The Chronicles of Narnia, and Eon Flux, which is next week, which I'll probably be seeing. And I was a you know, I was a fair fan of the MTV series of that, and I'm I'm really interested in seeing how they've made this into a into a big motion picture. The little bits I've seen in the trailer look look really don't remind me at all of the old uh, you know animated series that they did. So we'll see what they do. I mean, it, as long as it's enjoyable and they you know it seems to be not just a schlock fest, I guess. So, but now we're going to get into the main section for this week's show is the. Star Trek episode, original series episode, Journey to Babel from the second season. Captain's log, stardate 3842.3. The Enterprise has been assigned to transport ambassadors of Federation planets to this vitally important council. Mr. Spark, we'll leave orbit in two hours. Would you care to beam down and visit your parents? Ambassador Sarek and his wife are my parents. Uh We favor admission. You favor? Why? You call us thieves! Devote yourself to motivations of passion. What country is that guy from? My father is quite capable of killing. Oh, go to him now, please. I cannot. Doctor, 
Okay, then, that is the intro preview for Journey to Babel. Now, this episode was in the second season, and this is probably, you know, also, and I've said this before, one of my favorite episodes, and also an episode that I know in and out. I mean, I, I probably, like the Doomsday Machine from a few weeks ago, this is another one of those episodes, even more so than like City on the Edge of Forever, which is probably my favorite. This is another one of those episodes that I've I've seen probably almost more than any other Star Trek episode. It just has everything going in it. It has, first there's a great storyline going. There's this whole peace conference to bring all these aliens aboard the Enterprise, so that's cool. You meet up with uh, Spock's parents, which I've got a clip from that that I'll play in a second, so that you get a lot more information on Mr. Spock and his his background and, and where he grew up and, and what he went through and, and that. Then, you know, just like a muck time, you, you learn a lot about the Vulcan people in this uh, in this episode. And, and then there's this whole storyline background action thing going where there's this enemy ship out there that's uh, pursuing the Enterprise and attacking them. Kirk gets hurt, and, you know, there's a lot of things that happen in this one, and it's just just a full, tight package. And and the really what I, I noticed going back through the show this morning that really appeals to me is just the chemistry between all the all the actors, the, the main cast, of course, especially Kirk, Spock, and McCoy in this one. Spock's parents, uh, Sarek and Amanda, come aboard, played played excellently by Mark Leonard for Sarek and Jane Wyatt uh, for Amanda, for Spock's mom. So, you know, they just they just did a great job. I mean, they picked perfect, perfect people to me for his parents. And this, uh, this episode, just everything fits. Everything comes together really well. And one of those, um, the big reasons I feel for that was it was written by DC Fontana, who was a, wrote, uh, some really good Star Trek episodes. Actually, she started out, I believe it was, as Gene Roddenberry's assistant. Ah, uh, the telephone's ringing. Sorry, pausing the recording for a sec. Okay, sorry about the uh, interruption there. That actually was my sister on the phone and talking about how she had actually just recently seen my website and listened to some of the podcasts. So, uh, anyway, back to uh, this episode, uh, Journey to Babel. So I think I was talking about how this just episode had everything in there, and I'm going to collect my thoughts a little bit better. I'm going to play one more little clip here, or, or the next clip, I should say. This is near the beginning of the episode when um, Sarek and Amanda first show up on the Enterprise. So listen to this. As soon as you're settled, I'll arrange a tour of the ship. Mr. Spark will conduct you. I prefer another guide, Captain. As you wish, Ambassador. Mr. Spark, we'll leave orbit in two hours. Would you care to beam down and visit your parents? Captain, Ambassador Sarek and his wife are my parents. Okay, so there we have it. And, it, you know, it's dramatic for TV that... Uh, Kirk and McCoy there just learned that those two ambassadors that just came aboard, or really Ambassador Sarek and his wife, are Spock's parents. I mean, you kind of like go, you know, you kind of wonder, well, Spock, uh, like, uh, so uh, we're going to get uh, this guy named Ambassador Sarek coming to the Enterprise for this this conference, and or this, uh, actually they're transporting these delegates to um, a planet called Babel, 
to have this conference at. And you'd think he would have mentioned something about, you know, oh, by the way, uh, Jim, uh, that's that's my daddy you're there you're talking about. So anyway, but so this uh, and I'm not going to I'm going to try. Somebody had made the suggestion in another email that I had read or maybe it was online in the forum. I'm trying to not just go, uh, you know, scene by scene and and um, through the episode to tell you exactly, you know, OK, this happened and this happened and then this happened. I'm trying to just going to. Th- uh, throw in some clips and some of my thoughts on the show in general that um, to give you a little bit of insight in my my opinion of the show rather than just a blow by blow of what happens in it. So hopefully that'll make it a little more interesting to listen to. The thing I wanted to mention next, I think, was the, the another neat thing about Journey to Babel is you you get to meet a lot of aliens that you have never seen before uh, on Star Trek in the in this time you know with the original series and that you really never see much again. Until actually the Enterprise series, uh, especially uh, one or two of them were the Andorians and the Tellarites. Now the Tellarites show up in uh, a couple of the other series, but but the Andorians especially here the you know the blue skinned white haired goons uh, guys girls whatever. Although I think they're just guys in Journey to Babel. You, you don't uh, you don't know a whole lot about them. You know, they don't show and give you a whole big background on this is this is what's all about the Andorians and this is the kind of planet they came from and blah blah blah. But in the actually in the last season of Enterprise, which I thought was an excellent season, it had some really really good episodes because I, I I was a big fan of that series, which I've also said before. Anyway, the um, the Andorians they really developed that. Uh, that alien species and that race on the fourth season of Enterprise, they had a, a three-parter, especially where they showed their home world and it was sort of this ice hoth, you know, like from the Empire Strikes Back type planet. And you, you learn a lot about them and you learn they're very emotional. Uh, you know, they get the little antenna and uh, Shran, who was uh, played great by uh, Jeffrey Combs on Enterprise, played Shran, the Andorian, who at first was sort of a rival of Captain Archer on that show, but actually they end up being sort of like um, friends because the Andorians, it's pretty well known in Star Trek lore and history that they were one of the founding uh, founding uh, alien species, alien races of the Federation, along with the Tellarites, the Vulcans, the humans, um, and, and so on. But I'm getting a little off to- topic here. I'm going to get back to Journey to Babel. Now the uh, the next clip I want to play is this is at the little they're kind of having like a little dinner thing with all the delegates and there's a little scene that I thought was really neat with uh, Amanda Dr McCoy and Mr Spock talking about how Mr Spock what he was like as a young boy and growing up on Vulcan so I'm going to play that uh, that clip now. Spock I've always suspected that you were a little more human than you. Let on. This is Sirak. Well, that's true. I know about the rigorous training of the Vulcan youth, but tell me, did he ever run and play like the human children, even in secret? Well, he, uh, he did have a pet sailor he was very fond of. Solid? It's sort of a, a fat teddy bear. A teddy bear? Excuse me, Doctor. It's been a rather long day for my wife. 
I love Dr. McCoy's expression. A teddy bear? Not precisely, Doctor. On Vulcan, the teddy bears are alive, and they have six-inch fangs. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a great scene there. You know, the, the, the wonderful thing about the original series is that interplay between uh, Mr. Spock and Dr. McCoy all the time, and it was carried into the films as well. And they just they just do a great job with it. And, you know, it's it actually keeps each of them on their toes, kind of, and I really like it. And it's, obvious, it's always obvious to me that the actors themselves re- really enjoyed what they were doing and enjoyed each other's company and so forth. Uh, it's pretty well known, too, that, you know, like, William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy are good friends in real life. Um, DeForest Kelly passed away a few years ago, which, which, but he was also, you know, a very good friend to them. So that, um, that really carries through, I think, in the show always did, especially, especially in the second season. In the first season, it does to some degree, but in, definitely in the second season, you can really see that relationship, uh, those relationships taking off between all of them. So, that scene I really enjoy in this episode gives you a little background on Mr. Spock. There was a um, there was an episode of the animated Star Trek series. I'm trying to think of yesteryear, something like that. Not not getting the title right now in my head. So, but basically, it was also written by DC Fontana. And base what happened in that show was that they used the portal from City on the Edge of Forever, the Guardian of Forever. And without telling you a whole lot, basically, they show Spock as a youth. They, they end up in that part of that episode, shows Spock as a youth, and you see his pet Salot, which is like this big, you know, huge, uh, well, teddy bear-looking thing almost, but but a huge thing with big teeth and, and quite ferocious, uh, really. And it's, uh, but you can see, obviously, this is, this is basically the Vulcan's dog, so to speak. He's, he's very loyal to, to Spock when he's young and protects him and things so it was neat that they got to take off on that in the animated series which i keep hearing rumors the animated uh, star trek series is supposed to come out on dvd it's actually that right now especially since there's no more new star trek being produced or made that it's it's one of the uh the only things left the movies are all out twice uh the dvds are all sometimes multiple times like the original series and it's the um the animated series is like the only thing of Star Trek that's left out there in Paramount's, uh, you know, hidden vault that hasn't been released on DVD. So I predict that sometime in 2006 we will see a, a DVD set from the animated series. Now I'm going to get into one more clip. There's a, of course, the main part of uh, Journey to Babel is is Sarek and, and Spock's relationship. And there was a falling out. They never really say exactly well, they do say in the movies, and I think a tiny bit it comes out here, that that Sarek never really approved of Spock joining Starfleet. He he thought he should have stayed uh, on Vulcan and gone into the Vulcan Science Academy, and and that Starfleet was was really a waste of his talents and 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 so on. So there was you know Spock and Sarek, even though they're these proudly logical Vulcans. Um, they, they don't really speak to each other anymore. He, he's he's pushing Mr. Spock off. He doesn't want to visit with him as he, when he's on the Enterprise there. And I'm going to play another clip here where Sarek is, is injured. He's not really injured, but he has a heart problem, and Dr. McCoy needs to operate. And 
this clip is of his mom Amanda talking to Spock about you know he's got to help his father. He has they both of course have the same blood type. There's no one else on board that can really help his father, and he needs to um, to do that. Although Kirk has been hurt in this episode also, and Spock is now in command of the Enterprise, and he is torn between his duty to Starfleet and his his duty to his father. So that this is this is a very good clip. I, I like it a lot. So listen to this. Any competent officer can command this ship. Only you can give your father the blood transfusions that he needs to live. Any competent officer can command this ship under normal circumstances. The circumstances are not normal. We are carrying over 100 valuable Federation passengers. We're being pursued by an alien ship. We're subject to possible attack. There has been murder and attempted murder on board. Cannot dismiss my duties. Duty? Your duty is to your father. I know. This must take precedence. If I could give the transfusion without loss of time or efficiency, I would. Sarek understands my reason. Well, I don't. It's not human. Oh, that's not a dirty word. You're human, too. Let that part of you come through. Your father's dying. Mother, how can you have lived on Vulcan so long, married a Vulcan, raised a son on Vulcan, without understanding what it means to be a Vulcan? Well, if this is what it means, I don't want to know. It means to adopt a philosophy, a way of life, which is logical and beneficial. We cannot disregard that philosophy merely for personal gain, no matter how important that gain might be. Nothing is as important as your father's life. Can you imagine what my father would say if I were to agree... If I were to give up command of this vessel, jeopardize hundreds of lives, risk interplanetary war, all for the life of one person. Yeah, that's uh, that's really uh, an interesting kind of exchange that they have there, especially since what happens in the films. You know, they have that how they have that whole running theme in especially Star Trek's uh, two, three, four of you know the needs. Uh, uh, of the many outweigh the needs of the one or the needs of the one outweigh the needs of the many. Basically, you know, Kirk sacrifices everything in those films to, to save Spock and Spock sacrifices himself to save the enterprise. So that's an, you know, I, I see a big parallel here between what Spock's trying to do in Journey to Babel. You know, he's, he's saying to his mother there that the needs of the, of the many outweigh the needs of the one right there. And it's just, I, I like that uh, sort of connection that they've pr- placed between the, the what went on in the films. You know, these guys are all about loyalty, sacrifice, and so forth. And, and Spock is basically sacrificing his father there to, to maintain um, command of the Enterprise because of the, the dangerous situation that's going on, even though he, he probably really deep down doesn't want to do that. Now, the... Um, not to give again too much of a blow by blow, but of course that that doesn't end up happening. Spock does go save his father. He he finds uh, a way to do that. You know, Kirk actually sort of tricks him and gets back on the bridge of the Enterprise, even though he's kind of still hurt. Which um, he he figures out, and McCoy agrees. You know, there's no, there's no way that Spock would li- li- leave. Excuse me. 
Spock would leave command and leave the bridge under these circumstances without knowing that, that it was in good hands, you know, the capable hands of Captain Kirk, of course. I'm going to play a little bit of, uh, of the, just the little situation now that there's a ship that's been pursuing the Enterprise. And I'm going to play a little bit of, of Kirk's little ploy that he pulls. He pulls a typical Kirk um, maneuver here. I probably don't think even Mr. Spock would have been able to do this, you know, because it wouldn't have been logical. But uh, he pulls a, a typical Kirk maneuver in trying to fool this uh, alien ship. And I'm going to play that uh, play that clip now. Looking us over. We're dead as far as he knows. You're baiting him. You're trying to lure him in. Here he comes. Range decreasing. Speed dropping close to sublight. Hold your fire, Mr. Jago. Laser is locked on target. Range closing. 75,000 kilometers. Fire. Chekhov, you're just so good at that, or I should say, uh, Walter Koenig is so good at Chekhov in that. You know, he was, uh, well, it was great to add him into the second season. I, I, I can't even merely imagine the original Star Trek without Chekhov anymore. He just adds a lot of fun to the shows. Just, just with a couple little lines there, you know, got him, sir, which, uh, my Russian is not so good. But, um, but anyway, so that, you know, Kirk pulls a fast one again, gets gets the Enterprise, basically uh, defies the odds and doesn't believe in the no-win scenario. So that, uh, I think that pretty much wraps up Journey to Babel for me. Uh, there's a couple of things. That I found some of this stuff in the Star Trek compendium. There were a few scenes uh, that were cut out of uh, the conference period, or not really conference, but dinner time, where you learn a little bit more about Sarek, Sarek and Amanda. I want to mention a little bit... Uh, I think a little bit more about Mark Leonard that um, here, there's a couple interesting tidbits about this. He's um, he's not really that much different in age than Leonard Nimoy. I think it was just a couple of years, even though I, Mark Leonard passed away uh, a few years ago also. But um, it was kind of, uh, they, they had a you know bit of a fun time with it really when they were doing the show from what I've heard in, in different stories at conventions and that. You know, where this guy comes on and, you know, at the time they were doing uh, the original series, you know, Leonard Nimoy, William Shatner were in their like mid-30s or so. And Mark Leonard shows up as play his father and he's really not that much different in age from these guys. But of course they did a little bit of makeup, gave him some gray hair. And his portrayal though and his, his attitude and his mannerisms, besides being very Vulcan, you really get a perfect sense of... That, that he is really Spock's father, that he's more mature, that he knows best, really, that kind of thing. Well, I got uh, one last clip that I did want to play. This is near the end of the episode. This is a really nice little clip to end uh, the Journey to Babel discussion with, and then I'm going to take a little break, and we're going to come back with our collectible for this week. But this clip is near the end of the show, and it's in sickbay with the the whole, whole cast, basically, are the main players of this episode. So listen to this. And you, Sarek. Would you also say thank you to your son? I don't understand. For saving your life. Spock acted in the only logical manner open to him. 
One does not thank logic, Commander. Logic, logic. I'm sick to death of logic. Do you want to know how I feel about your logic? Emotional, isn't she? She has always been that way. Indeed. Why did you marry her? At the time, it seemed the logical thing to do. If you keep arguing with your kindly family doctor, you're going to spend your next ten days right here. If you cooperate, you'll be out in two. Doctor, I think I'll return to my station now. You are at your station, Mr. Spock. Dr. McCoy, I believe you're enjoying all this. Indeed, Captain. I've never seen him look so happy. Shut up. Finally got the last word. What I was uh, what I was trying to say during that clip was I, I I really enjoyed the music again in this, especially the the little touches that that are in scenes like that. Again, Gerald Fry did this music. They used a lot of his uh, some of his stuff that he did in a muck time for this episode. So, Journey to Babel, great uh, great original Star Trek episode. Check it out again if you haven't seen it in a while. Take a break. Be back with this week's collectible, which is the original series uh, phaser replica from Master Replicas. Be right back. Okay, I'm back. Uh, we're going to talk now about the Master Replicas uh, original series Phaser Replica. I'm going to leave the music playing in the background. This is another piece from the uh, Symphonic Star Trek album. This is the end title from Star Trek uh, VI, The Undiscovered Country. I'm trying to tweak the volume down a little bit on it. The um, Still working the board here, trying to figure this whole... Mixer, microphone, junk out. So I'm holding in my hand a a very, very excellent, excellent replica. This was put out by Master Replicas, I think, approximately two years ago. And it is a wonderful, wonderful piece. I can remember back when I was going to probably the first Star Trek convention that I ever went to years and years ago. Before, again, before The Next Generation came out, when the Star Trek original series was just in reruns. And I remember going by the dealer's room, and there was a guy selling phaser replicas. And these things were just way, way cool. I mean, they had a strobe light type effect in the end for the for the end of the phaser. And I just was in heaven. Of course, I was a kid. I had, like, no money, basically. I mean, I got enough to go to the convention, but... I didn't have enough. The guy wanted, like, at the time, it seemed like a huge, ridiculous amount, like like maybe $100 or $150 for one of these things. And, and now that doesn't sound, like, so bad, but, um, you know, it's like, for me at that time, it was a fortune. So 
Anyway, I'm going to make the sound go on the phaser, just give you a start of that. It has very, very, uh, a big variety of sounds that it does, depending on where you... That's like the overload. And we can go back down to well, a real low sound. The um, give you a little bit of background in this replica. There, there are many people, many people that have made um, phaser replicas over the years. Playmates uh, was one. There are uh, new ones out that are from Art Asylum that are real nice. But uh, those things are all plastic. The Art Asylum actually phaser replica is very nice. I'll talk about that maybe a little more detail on another show. Um, but this Master Replicas piece, yeah, it's expensive. It's a prop replica, but the electronics, the weight, it's a it's metal construction primarily. There's a few little plastic bits on it, but it's primarily metal construction. It has an excellent uh, excellent paint job on it. The uh, the handle, the original phasers, uh, the handles twisted off on those pieces. The idea with those was that it was supposed to be a power pack for the phaser, and on the show at least, it's the the take on that idea was that those were the power packs for the phasers. The uh, the Master Replicas piece also does that. That's where actually the batteries go for the main the main effect. Now the the other cool thing about this is you dialed on the power. They use different colored uh, light LEDs in this master replicas piece and the, and the tip actually changes color from like a green to a red and, and, and to a blue eventually so that's that's really a neat touch the other really nice thing about this replica is that the uh, the phaser one separates from the phaser two and they both will operate uh, well that you can operate the phaser one separately now I'm going to take I'm going to pause this for just one second yeah, and I just wanted to pause it so I could get the phaser one off. But this is a now I'm holding the phaser one with the phaser two replica on my lap. There's a small uh, trigger button on the bottom of this. That's the phaser phaser one, and it has a uh, raising sight. There's a little. Uh, I'll try to put some good pictures of this on the website. Um, the uh, the top part of the phaser one will raise when you push the little dial. And the, uh, sorry, that was the music ending there. Um, so you push this dial up, and then the, there's a, a raising sight, and I guess you're supposed to sort of look down that when you're targeting your enemy. Um, but it's it's pretty neat. There's a little clear plastic piece that lifts up, and it pushes up the front metal part. Uh, again, I'll take a picture of the Phaser 1 on its own to show you that on the website. Um, the uh, Put that back down. So that the um, Master Replica's phaser phaser replica is it's just great. The the one I actually got uh, is a uh, one that's been autographed. The little nameplate that goes on the front of the replica is autographed by William Shatner. It was a limited edition with the names. I think Leonard Nimoy, yeah, he'd signed some. I think I think they each signed like two hundred and fifty. I'll have to look at the plate again, and I'll I'll put that up in the notes. But the uh, they both signed some. And those cost a little bit more, of course. But this is uh, probably near to impossible to find anymore. It's not obviously for sale anymore on Master Replica's main site. Uh, obviously, the only real choice for that is eBay now for replicas like this, these early Master Replicas. And they haven't put a lot of Star Trek pieces out. They've basically done the main three things, 
along with a, uh, a Klingon disruptor weapon, which is pretty cool, and I have that also. But they've done the phaser, the tricorder, and the communicator. I've talked about the communicators, the, the tricorders before, and now we're talking about the phaser. But this piece, if you can find one on eBay, um, I highly, highly suggest you try to grab one if you're a true replica collector or Star Trek fan. They're not going to be around forever. I think eventually Master Replicas may make a new one, another version of this. Uh, they have this thing they're doing with Star Wars pieces called the Elite Edition. They've been doing lightsabers primarily where they, they cost a little more and they do a little bit cleaner, nicer job. They're real highly polished aluminum lightsabers, but they're a very limited edition. And they've done three of those, I believe, so far. Well, they've done two have been released. Uh, for um, lightsabers for Star Wars, but they're going to do another one soon of Obi-Wan saber from uh, Episode 4. But I believe, my my guess right now, if I had to make a guess, is that um, Master Replicas will eventually do a sort of elite edition of a phaser from the original series. Because th this item, th this sort of, is very iconic. It's, it's a classic-looking, uh, uh, you know, futuristic weapon phaser based on, um, you know, the idea of a laser. They took laser and just created this name phaser and, you know, phase light instead of just light amplified, which laser is what that's, that's what that stands for. Anyway, enough of that little gibberish. But uh, it's a great piece. If you can find one on eBay, if you got the cash, definitely, definitely take a look. There was a, like I said earlier, there are a number of people that have made these replicas on their own. You can go to rodmary.com also and find some uh, some kits to make these, which is a good alternative. You can make a really nice item. And I think those kits, uh, one of the guys mainly working on uh, a lot of these phaser replicas is a guy named Richard Coyle. He does a great job. If you find anything that's a Richard Coyle phaser replica on eBay, that, that's another very nice piece. It would cost even more probably than a master replica because they're not produced in great numbers. They're all hand done. And they're, um, they're really, really excellent. I'd my dream one day would be to get one of those, but they're a lot more expensive. And I have this, which is a great piece. So it's, uh, it's a wonderful item. Take a look uh, and check it out when you get a chance. Okay, folks, I think, uh, I think that's going to about do it for this week's edition of Treks in Sci-Fi with your host, Rico. Again, I want to appreciate everyone that's been listening to the podcast, uh, that's been on the website, checking out the forums, all that good stuff. I really, really appreciate you guys' uh, comments, feedback, and everything. Um, hopefully this show wasn't too uh, odd or disjointed. I I'm trying to tweak knobs and buttons and click things to uh, get different effects to go off. I got this sound program that I'm going to try to use maybe next week's show where basically I can push a button on... Uh, the keyboard and a, a certain sound effect will go off. So I thought that'd be kind of fun to uh, to slip into the podcast. And you can also record audio clips into a different any wave file. Basically, you can assign to a key. So I thought that'd be a lot of fun to play with. But that's a little beside uh, the main topics. Uh, just again, appreciate everyone's uh, email thoughts, comments. Send them to me, Rico at treksf at gmail .com. Feel free again to check out the new new website. Send me comments about that. I'd appreciate it. I'm still uh, playing around learning uh, front page and trying to figure out all the little nuances there. And 
It's kind of cool with Google, though. You can type in just about everything. I'm going to put a little, fl- try to put a little Flash animation in the website, and you can, you know, you just type into Google, you know, how to embed Flash using Microsoft front page, and you get about a hundred links that come back and tell you how to do it. So that's neat. You got to just find which one works, but. Anyway, uh, I hope everyone had a great holiday. It's been a nice, long, relaxing weekend for me. I really enjoyed it. And tomorrow, back to work. So, goodbye, everyone. Have a great week. Back to work, school, whatever you're doing this week. And I will talk to you next week. Oh, next week's show, uh, we're going to be talking about another original series, Star Trek episode. We're going to talk about This Side of Paradise. A great first season show. A lot of character uh, insights in that show, with especially with Mr. Spock again. So this side of Paradise for next week. And we're going to be, the collectible I want to look at next week is something actually that I, it's it was more of something I, I built myself and put together, not just bought. A, I bought or created a, uh, and this came kind of from a kit on the replica prop form that I picked up, but I had to do a lot of the electronic work in it. I built a, uh, a universal translator. Uh, replica from the ones that are used or the ones that were used in the original Star Trek series, especially the episode Metamorphosis. It was used a lot in that episode. So we're going to look at that collectible along with this side of Paradise, other sci-fi news, maybe talk a little bit about, if I see it by then, Eon Flux. If not, um, I'll be talking about it sometime in the future. Have a good week, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is Rico saying so long for now. This has been a Rick Dosti production. 